0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of CFA Institute's Take 15 series. I'm Sam Lum, Director of Private Wealth and Capital Markets at CFA Institute. I'm joined here today at CFA Institute's Asia-Pacific Regional Office in Hong Kong by Dr. Jason Shu, Chief Investment Officer at Research Affiliates and Adjunct Assistant Professor of Finance at the UCLA Anderson School of Business. Our topic of discussion today is about the upcoming macroeconomic and capital markets conditions and how investors could assess passive index investment strategies in this context. Jason, thanks for being here with us today. It seems that there's a growing consensus that the developed or advanced economies have moved into a period of what's popularly called the new normal which involves lower expectations for economic growth and capital markets, return, and so on. How are you interpreting the current situation?
1: Well, uh, my take on the current situation is very simple. Uh, We are facing a debt crisis, and it's, of course, no mystery how we got here. Uh, After decades of chronic debt finance spending, uh, government deficit, Uh, We have hit the point where there's simply too much debt relative to the underlying GDP, that uh, creditors are no longer willing to roll over sovereign debt. And the result of that is we must go through periods of austerity to bring budget deficit down to a balanced budget, and even a surplus so that we can begin the process of deleveraging and paying back the debt so we can once again have a healthy, sovereign balance sheet. The process of that is, of course, spending less, which will translate into lower consumption growth. But that's just a necessary part of the process, Uh, a painful part of the process, but a necessary part.
0: Well, how about China and the current credit crunch there that some are getting quite worried about? The local governments have accumulated a lot of debt through the infrastructure build-out in the last two or three years. The SMEs are having problems getting financing, and the banks are quite exposed to the property sector. So is China, one of the most prominent countries outside of the group of countries with developed economies, going into a similar new normal environment?
1: I mean, it's absolutely true that uh, many of the Chinese state entities (coughs) have increased their indebtedness. But overall, from a balance sheet perspective, um, they're nowhere near what we are seeing for the developed market. So I don't think from a balance sheet perspective that they have a debt issue. But instead, they do have a very real and quite a serious uh, credit crisis that's brewing. And this really is related to the fact that Chinese banks are more policy instruments uh, then they are really commercial lending enterprises. So the Chinese banks, uh, you could call it lending by fiat. They will lend when the central government says, lend. And they will stop lending, and they will literally stop lending to just about everyone when the central government says, don't lend. And so they haven't specialized uh, in assessing credit quality and lending to good projects and I think that's what's contributed to uh, what we're experiencing as a lot of uh, non-performing loans building up in the bank portfolios that we're seeing in China and so I think a necessary evolution is for the Chinese banks to grow from just being a policy tool to truly a intermediary in assigning credits to the credit-worthy enterprises and this giving credit to the worthwhile
0: projects. Jason, you've talked about sizable debt and deficit build-up in the advanced economies in much of Europe, Japan and the US. It makes one wonder whether investors need to rethink how to go about doing global bond index investing, especially in light of recent sovereign debt problems in Europe.
1: Yeah, you know, The one thing people <clears throat> really should think about Uh, when they think about traditional debt indexes and the passive portfolios that track these debt indexes, is that um, these indexes are constructed based on what we call issuance weight. That is, the more a country issues, the bigger the weight for that country. The higher the price the country is able to issue its debt at, again, the bigger is the fraction of the portfolio allocated to the country's debt. If you think about the strategic interaction between the issuer and the buyer, as an issuer, I'm incentivized to issue and issue more when my credit rating is being overvalued. and When I'm really being valued as a triple-A risk, when I'm really only a triple-B risk, I'm going to issue a lot of debt, and I'm going to maximize my information advantage against investors. So from that perspective, this adverse selection issue is very central to the whole uh, uh, buying of debt for investors. And if you look at an issuance weighted index, it actually maximizes the adverse selection problem. It maximizes your exposure to the issuers who have the greatest incentive to issue more debt and to issue at high prices. So I think investors should be aware of that feature uh, the traditional debt indexes and really ought to consider moving away from a construct that's based on issuance weighting and move away to something that maybe is more based on the underlying collateral strength. Instead of buying more of a country that wants to issue a lot and wants to borrow a lot, maybe try try buying more from countries that have really solid cash flows, that have very low uh, reasons and motives to default and to issue debt. And those might actually be the more sensible uh, assets to include in one's uh, fixed income portfolio.
0: Mm -hmm. How about passive equity index strategies? How do you see the new normal affecting the way investors look at equity index investing?
1: Well, one of the key assumptions underlying the new normal hypothesis is that equity premium. For the developed markets, will be dramatically lower uh, than the historical experience. So instead of earning a 8% equity premium, people are forecasting 2 to 4% equity premium. Now, when your equity premium is only 2 to 4%, paying up 1% or even 1.5% for active management fee erodes too much of your equity return. So I think a lot of investors are going to re-examine the portfolio given the lower return expectation, and they'll try to reduce cost, paying less fees. And one of the easiest way to pay lower fees is to move away from fully active to passive. Now, of course, when you move to passive, if you use a traditional cap-weighted construct, you've basically given up any hope of excess performance, any hope for alpha. Now, with these new alternative uh, indexes, these smarter beta constructs, there is now an opportunity to be both passive, low cost, and still have a structural opportunity for creating outperformance. And I think that's going to be um, a lot more attractive in an environment of low return expectation for equities.
0: A recent survey of European investment professionals by Ed Risk Institute found that Standard cap-weighted indices, despite their widely acknowledged shortcomings, will remain dominant relative to alternatives, given their popularity, their extensive track record, lower peer group risk, and other considerations in the practical investment context. What are your views on these findings? Well, I think the very fact
1: that um, the EDEC Institute is conducting a survey about whether asset owners want to move away from cap-weighting and into you know, non-traditional index constructs for their passive portfolio. That very fact says a lot because if you roll the clock back five years, people wouldn't think about asking that question. Mm-hmm. People always associated passive investing with buying a cap-weighted index. So this mm-hmm. is progress. It's slow progress, but it's absolutely progress. And I would not be surprised in another few years when the same survey is asked, a lot of investors would say, not only have I studied the differences between traditional cap weighting and alternative weighting schemes, I've moved some of my assets over, and it's been a good experience. And and I wouldn't be surprised, given another (coughs) five years, that a significant portion of what is currently cap-weighted passive would have moved over to fundamental indexing, minimum variance, diversification-based indexing. So I see this as as progress, and very promising progress. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if you were to conduct the same survey with investment consultants who tend to be more the thought leader driving industry trends, I would imagine, at least on a dollar-weighted basis probably a a solid 50% of them would say they are studying uh, alternative indexing and they're recommending clients to Mm -hmm. consider and moving over to alternative indexing today.
0: Given your experience with asset owners in this region, if a similar survey were to be done on institutional investors here in the Asia-Pacific, would you envisage the results to be quite different?
1: Well, Samuel, I think you're going to be quite surprised I think in the case of experimenting with uh, non-traditional, non-cap-based indexing, uh, you know, investing in these smarter betas, the Asian sovereign wealth funds and big government pensions have actually been more aggressive than the U.S. and European counterparts. And in fact, most of the big pension and sovereign wealth funds that you have heard of have either issue mandates or are running their own assets uh, based on either fundamental index, uh, minimum variance, or many of the new flavors of smarter betas. So I actually would hazard a guess that the adoption rate in Asia in short orders may rival or exceed what we see in U.S. and Europe.
0: Jason? Thank you for sharing your thoughts on the investment climate outlook and issues relating to passive index investing. Thank you, Samuel. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the CFA Institute's Take 15 series.
1: Copyright 2012 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.